Turn to John chapter 6. <clears throat> this is going to be an ambitious endeavor. Tom, can I have some coffee? This is going to be an ambitious endeavor because it's a long passage uh, this morning. <clears throat> Our goal is when we return in January on the 16th, we'll dive into 7, John 7, and we'll end in the latter part of May and we'll, Lord willing, have walked through the whole entire gospel of John. As you know, if you miss a week, that's okay. That's, we've designed it so it's uh, low commitment and uh, we'll always have those hard copies and notes. Yeah, that's fabulous. I'll take that. Thank you very much. So if you would, John chapter 6. Now let's set the scene. What, what happened earlier in 6? For those of you who were here last week, what's the two events, the two the miracles that occur? <clears throat> Feeding of the 5,000. That's 5,000 men. That does not include women and children. All right. So that was a miracle in and of itself. And then what happens next, which is, seems out of place in the chapter by many? Walking on water, right? Uh, and as I said, if I, you ever go to Israel with me and you do that, I'll give you a trip for free. Uh, so uh, I, ha I haven't had anyone do it yet. I've done it a couple times for the guys, but uh, no, just, just rest. <laughs> just rest. <laughs> yeah, show up. <laughs> if you believe that, I got some land to sell you too. Um, <clears throat> so these two miracles occur, these two signs. And then there's this discussion from the crowd at verse 25. We read this last week, but it, this springs off to that. It says, Rabbi, when did you get here? And again, we mentioned that the question should be, who are you? Uh, they've missed the whole point. And Jesus said, I tell you the solemn truth, you're looking for, you're, you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate all the loaves of bread you wanted. Do not work for the food that disappears, but for the food that remains to eternal life, the food which the Son of Man will give you. So let's start then at verse 28. So then they said to him, what must we do to accomplish the deeds God requires? And here's the key. Jesus says, this is the deed God requires that you believe. It's not about doing something. Your eternal state is not on, on you know, how many grandmas you help across the street. That's not it at all. That's what you believe. And again, remember John said there are a lot of miracles Jesus has done. I've only picked a few that you might, what? Believe, right? Nine, nearly a hundred times in John's gospel, he uses the term believe. Uh, I think it's, uh, if I recall, it's about three dozen times. So about around 36 times in the synoptics that you find the word believe. So it's disproportionate. 90 times in John's gospel. And it's stressed here. They said to him, then what miraculous sign will you perform so that we might see it and believe? <laughs> I love it. It's like teaching a group of freshmen, right? I, you never told us I was going to be on the exam. I've only said it five times. I've given you. I mean, he just performed a miracle of feeding 5,000 men. And, and, and where is this at? Where are we at right now? Jesus crossed from Bethsaida over to where? Capernaum. And what happened at, at, at Capernaum? You, you, it's a laundry list of miracles. This is where Jesus hung out. It's headquarters. And, and they need another sign? I've interacted with enough believers. It cracks me up. Well, you know, I'm not sure the Lord's in it. I'm just not sure where the Lord is. Really? You woke up this morning, you were able to see, you were able to hear. You see what God has done for you? You live in this country. <laughs> the list goes on. 
Our ancestors ate, now I love this, they're going to give Jesus a theological lesson as if he needs it. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus is going to play off of this. Eight times he's going to mention the bread of heaven here. So watch this. Jesus said to them, I tell you the solemn truth. It's not Moses. He's going to correct their theology. It's not Moses who gave you bread. Remember, the claim of the religious rulers of this day, we are the disciples of, not God, Moses. Uh, they didn't sing Father Abraham. They sang Father Moses, right? All right. But my father is giving you the true bread from heaven. He's going to correct their theology. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said to him, sir, give us the bread all the time. <laughs> you got to love it. Yeah, I, I, at this point, I'm surprised Jesus just not said, you're done. Zap. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. This is the first major I am statement in the Gospels, in the Gospel of John. We're going to see as we move along, starting in, in January, that the miracles, the signs, all will orbit around those I am statements. They're very significant. Who is this Jesus? He's telling us, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will never go hungry. The one who believes in me will never be thirsty. But I told you that you have... I told you, you've seen me and still you do not believe. Remember the Samaritans? They believed. Not, not these Jews who should have known better. Jews who are from his hometown. Everyone whom the Father gives, he will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will never send away. He's going to use that phrase at least four times in this text. That is a loaded phrase, isn't it? What, what's that tell us? The Father gives me who will come to me, and the one who comes to me, I will never send away. In fact, he then states in verse 40, and I will raise him up on the last day, which he will also repeat. What's that tell you? The Father's intimately involved in our lives. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Father had to get involved in that process. And if you respond in faith, what's Christ stating? I will ensure your salvation to the end. Nothing will snatch you out of my hand. My reputation, Christ could state, is on the line. So for verse 40, for this is the will of my Father, for everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And the Jews who were hostile to Jesus <laughs> began complaining. That's the same term in the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures of what the Israelites did over not having food, they complained, they grumbled or complained. And that term occurs three times in John 6. About him, because he said, I have the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Not exactly. You've missed the point. And how do they know him? Where is this occurring? Capernaum. Many of these people, I have no doubt, were at the wedding at Cana. And how can he now say, I've come down from heaven? Jesus replied, do not complain about me to one another. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent draws me, and I will raise him up in the last days. Sound familiar? It's written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. It's an idea of restoration here. Everyone who hears and learns from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. 
I tell the solemn truth. The one who believes has eternal life, and then he says it again, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that has come down from heaven so that a person may eat from it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh, which is a reference to what? Crucifixion. We'll get to that in a minute. Let me just highlight a couple things here as we look at this text in your, in your notes as well. This is, again, a continuation of what we were looking at last week. But as we open this scene here, the crowd is confused. You know, John is a little more gracious to the disciples. You read Mark's gospel, the, the disciples are just as fickled as the crowd. Huh? You know, uh, how many times does Jesus need to tell them, right? And, and they, they ask for a sign, and, and Jesus fails to respond. And I think uh, Carson, in his commentary on John, highlights some of this, and I think he's right. It would validate the wrong assumptions. What do they want to do with Jesus? They want to make him what? King. No, 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 no. That's not his role so here. Uh, if, if Jesus acquiesced and gave him a sign, he's... he's complying with their whims. And third, and this is key, it's outside the Father's will. You realize what the crowd wants to do is the very thing Satan offered in the wilderness. Let me make you king. And the heavenly Father says, no, 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 no. I'm going to make you king of kings. It's not just the earth that will bow. Everything under it and everything over it's going to bow. And, and Jesus, had he acquiesced to Satan or to the crowd, I will argue he could no longer be the Savior. Because he's no longer perfect. And that is obeying the will of the Father. Do you see the relationship between the Father and the Son in this text? It's huge. We could spend a whole week just looking at issues of what we call binitarianism. The relationship between the Father and the Son. And how they're yet distinct but equal in this whole process. Don't miss this. And both are intimately involved in our salvation. It's Ephesians 1, right? Before the foundation of the world, the Father called us. And then it talks about how the Son is involved. I mean, it's fabulous. And that's what you see here. Jesus is just waxing eloquent on a, just a huge thing. And I mentioned there in your notes the, the stress on the bread from heaven. The, the issues of believe are rampant in this text. And there's another word if you want to write it down, and that's life. John will use the term life 36 times in his gospel. 11 of them occur in this chapter. 11 out of the 36. One, almost one third of the occurrences of life. And you say, well, how, how significant is that? Life occurs in Matthew, Mark, and Luke only 16 times. So this chapter uses life almost as much as you find in the other three Gospels combined. Life, belief. It, it's, it, to me, it's a commentary on John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him might have eternal life. That's what this is. Jesus is giving a commentary on that verse, in my opinion. That's what he's doing. This is it. And so he says in verse 40, notice this what he says in verse 40. The one who looks on the sun, I mentioned this in your notes, this is spiritual insight. This is a comprehension. I love, I, I, again, I don't think it's a coincidence that you have the calming of the storm 
Because it's a forcing the disciples to come to, re, to grips with who really is Jesus. You would have thought carrying a basket of leftovers would have been sufficient. The Lord says, no, no, no. Let me tell you a little something else. I mentioned the word complain that's in your notes. Um, well, that's, that's, are there questions from this passage? This is so rich. I love it. <laughs> well, hold on to your bippers because here we go. Verse 49. Your ancestors are, um, we mentioned they have died. In fact, let's just jump straight to 52. Then the Jews who were hostile to Jesus began to argue with one another. I love it. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the solemn truth. And this is like fingernails across the blackboard. Listen to this. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. It sounds rather harsh to their ears as well. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood resides in me and I in him. Just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father. And listen to this. Or who consumes me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It's not the bread your ancestors ate but then died. He already referred to that. He mentions it again, right? The one who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus is going to provide some further clarification on him being the true bread of life. And I mentioned eating flesh and drinking blood. We're dealing with, we're not dealing with cannibalism. <laughs> what he's dealing with is symbolism of belief to consume. I mentioned there in your notes uh, the term for eating, this is under Roman numeral 2 of the first page, literally is the term to devour, to munch. In German, there's two terms. Essen is to eat for human. Fressen is to eat for an animal. If you want to insult someone, you say, oh, you know, use fressen to indicate they're eating like an animal. All right? Uh, we don't have that in English, which is just a bummer. Well, that's true in Greek. To use this term, he's talking about devour. And as I mentioned in your notes, when it's used of humans, it's talking about enjoyment. Just think of the cookie monster eating up cookies, right? This is so good. He said, you're, you're to come and, and, and to have this personal belief. Now, there are a lot of scholars who want to argue. Well, let me, by the way, let's back up. We, we have some of the same ideas today, don't we? Those, those kids are so cute. I just want to eat them up. You devour the word. You drink in the lecture. We, we have some of the same ideas. So this is not foreign. There are a ton of scholars who want to argue that this is the Eucharist or the communion. I don't think that's all that's going, at all that's going on here. In fact, I, you can read about that at the top of page two. And if you have questions, you can ask me later. But Colin Brown is correct when he states, John 6 is not about the Lord's Supper, but rather, listen to what he says, the Lord's Supper is about what is described in John 6. The Lord's Supper is commemorating Christ's sacrifice and what he has done and that we've placed our faith in him. That's what, this isn't the Passover that we're celebrating here. It's not communion. What we're dealing with is believing in the Lord. And it's clear what Jesus is stating. 
Your salvation is because God chose you. And secondly, it's impossible without Christ. There's no other way. And that's what's being stressed here in this section. Questions on this? Yes, Eugene. Yeah, that's the beauty of this imagery, right? That we consume Christ. We, we take him in and that's what gives us sustenance. That's what gives us life. Yep. <laughs> Good preaching and teaching. Yes, because that's the living word. Uh, Christ is the embodiment of the word and the word is going forth. You're right. We're going to see the crowd's response, Jay, but you're right. Hearing this for the first time might be a little difficult. Let me, Eugene, I'm going to dig further here, but were there any others? I don't want to. All right, let me dig further in the text. Because uh, I, 59, Jesus said these things while he was teaching where? I told you, we're in Capernaum. This is the synagogue. And the synagogue didn't seat thousands. And these would have been leaders of the community. Folks who had witnessed these events. And let's not forget the guy who paid to build the synagogue is a follower of Jesus. We see that elsewhere in Luke's gospel. The guy who's the superintendent of the synagogue had his daughter healed by Jesus. Now the sequence of events we're not quite sure of, but there are many leaders in Capernaum who are very familiar with Jesus' miraculous deeds. Then many of the disciples, when they heard these things, said this, and here it is, Jay, this is a difficult saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus is aware, but watch what Jesus refer, how he refers to their, their under, lack of understanding. He says, then when they were complaining, it's the same term used earlier. It's the same term used to the Israelites. The lack of spiritual insight, etc. He said to them, does this cause you to be offended? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascending where he was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. And here it is, the role of the Trinity. Human nature is of no help. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. There are some of you who do not believe for Jesus had already known from the beginning who were those who did not believe. Before the foundation of the world, I have called you. He knows. And who is it who will betray him? Jesus added, because of this, I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has allowed him to come. And there it is. And then after this, many of the disciples, and here's the saddest part of this whole chapter, quit following him. They're done. They were more concerned about their bellies than their souls. Hmm. Quit following him and did not accompany him any longer. Jesus said to the twelve, you don't want to go away too, do you? And Simon Peter answered, and sometimes he gets it right. Other times the foot is blocking his tongue. Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know, watch this, that you're the prophet, which we saw in verse 14, that you're a king, that you're like Moses. No, no, you're the Holy One of God. They understood. Now, their understanding is going to continue to to be fine-tuned, but no one calms a sea unless it's God. No meteorologist can do that. No scientist can do that. Jesus replied, didn't I choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is the devil? 
That's amazing to me. Disciples left, and yet the worst of the lot, in one way, is sitting right there still in their midst. Who holds the purse? Who has the seat of honor at the upper room? Judas. One of the twelve is going to betray him. It's interesting. Um, Peter here and Judas are the antithesis. Peter is a model of a follower of Jesus for John's gospel. Even though he blows it, we still see him being restored in 21. Judas is just the opposite. He shows you what happens when you don't follow Christ and you go after your own longings. But they also are an exhibit of, of how to respond to the bread, aren't they? And, and who has been called and who has not and who will respond. I mentioned there in your notes under this difficult aspect to accept I mentioned the phrase speaks of something harsh. The disciples were not ex expressing their lack of understanding as much as their difficulty in accepting what Jesus was saying. One scholar, again going back to Carson, notes that the difficult in receiving Jesus' words are because they were interested in dietary provisions. They were unprepared to relinquish their authoritative position. They were offended by Jesus and the metaphor breaks social barriers. I think all of that comes to play here as we look at this. As I mentioned in there in your notes as well, ascending and lifting up, which Jesus refers to, are terms used of crucifixion. As noted in Paul in 1 Corinthians 1, the cross is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. And yet, Christ's death is at the very heart of divine disclosure. Philippians 2 Christ humbled himself, and eventually, what's the text say? To the point of a cross, death. That's the whole point, right? Is death. So Christ's death is very hard of the divine disclosure, and here we see this in this very powerful passage. Judas not responding, Peter responding, and and. Jesus clearly stating, this is so that you might believe. You respond to the gospel that's been given. Questions on this text? It's, it is a difficult one. And so many scholars want to look through the lens of a, a communion aspect. And I, I don't think that's it at all. I think Colin Brown is correct. Uh, it's the basis for communion. But this isn't about communion. It's about receiving this one. Yeah, Bill. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, I think the most troubling part for me in the whole thing is that he never repented. Yeah. He's remorse. The text is very clear. The distinctive terms. Uh, Peter repented. Judas is sorry he got caught. Let me pull into that. that uh, let me tap into what you're just stating by looking at the intersect, because that's excellent. I want to highlight that. That's, that's Yes. Roger, sorry, uh, <laughs> I heard a voice. I think believing you got accepted. Well, Ephesians 2, right? Yeah, it's for by grace that you're saved through His grace, not by works. And uh, we were dead in sin. And I've been to many funerals. I've never seen a corpse get out of the coffin and say, thanks for coming. <laughs> you, you can't respond. Not to be crass, but that's just it, right? Let me, let me tie into what you've stated. Jesus is essential for our spiritual life. Um, 
there's a text, Deuteronomy 8, 3, which I even included down at the bottom of your notes. God fed with manna, which you did not know, nor did your father know, that he might make you know that what man does not live by bread alone, but that man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. The crowd missed it. <clears throat> they appealed to Moses and said, look at the bread he gave us. And what Jesus is, is in essence, he's, he's repeating Deuteronomy 8. Right? You died eating that bread. What you needed was to come from the, the lips of the Lord. That's what you needed. And, and you're right. Sadly, um, there are Judases, I think, sitting in a lot of pews. Probably even singing in the choirs. <laughs> uh, involved in church, leadership. Uh, and maybe pulpits. I won't go there. But... <clears throat> Now, now. Um, uh, it, it's, it's, this text should have you stop and what is I basing my salvation on? Is it on Christ and Christ alone? And a recognition that I'm a sinner and I'm in need? If you haven't done that, see me afterwards. See someone on the board. See someone in here. I'll be glad to show you to, con to say, let's look at this. You know, I've had students say, well, I'm, I keep struggling with this sin. Am I really saved? I'm going, yeah. I would say all the more so because the Holy Spirit's convicting you. <laughs> if you're living in sin and you're not convicted, that should, the red light should be going off everywhere. You know, you cannot compartmentalize. And for John in particular, there is no black and white, or it's all black and white. There is no gray area. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, Jim. And for many in this audience, it's because it's who they are. I'm a child of Abraham. I'm a follower of the things of Moses, you know, and I keep X, Y, and Z, and I don't chew tobacco on Sunday or the Sabbath. So I'm, I'm a great person. No, 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 no. 